0: So, this is week number 15, and Lord willing, we will look at the ninth commandment today. And from Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 16, if you will. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. But thou, once again, in the singular, like you, like me, like all of us, we shouldn't lie about our neighbor. You were told from Romans chapter 13, that if you love your neighbour, you have fulfilled the law. Go to 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 8, First Chronicles, uh, make that 18, 1 Chronicles chapter 18. One of the difficulties when it comes to reading the scripture is not just understanding it, but applying it doctrinally, trying to understand why God's people would do what they would do under any given circumstance. First Chronicles chapter 18, First Chronicles chapter 18, look at verse 4 if you will. And David took from him a thousand chariots, and seven thousand horsemen, and twenty thousand footmen. David also hoffed all the chariot horses, but reserved of them an hundred chariots. And yet he was told, back in Deuteronomy, not to collect horses, not to collect wives, not to collect silver and gold. And time after time, David, Solomon... And King Saul and all of the other kings would breach the law. And going back to how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Thou shalt not bear false witness of thy neighbour. In other words, you won't lie. You should not lie about anyone or anything. And yet people lie every day of the week. Revelation says how all liars will have their parts in a lake of fire which burneth with brimstone, which of course is a second death. Deuteronomy chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18, look at verse 15 if you will. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horab, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me. They have well spoken that which they have spoken. 18. And I will raise him up a prophet from among their brethren. Like unto thee. And will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Christ of course. Look at verse 19. And it shall come to pass. That whosoever will not hearken unto my words. Which he shall speak in my name. I will require it of him. So back in the Old Testament. Prophets were raised. And for today, we have teachers that have been raised up to preach and teach. And you were told back in the Old Testament to believe the prophets. You were told to study, examine such prophets. The Apostle Paul would commend Christians for checking out what he told them. And here, verse 19, one more time. And it's a common to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, in reference to Christ, of course, I will require it of him. Look at verse 20. But the prophets. Could be the Antichrist. Could be your favorite preacher, pastor, evangelist. We shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods. Even that prophet shall die. So the consequences for lying were severe. If you preach a false gospel, and people believe that false gospel, they are accursed. Galatians chapter 1. Paul told you from Second Corinthians chapter 11 that they offer themselves as preachers, teachers of righteousness, and yet they are wicked, they are many times deceived and demon-possessed, and their gospel is a false gospel, it's a cursed gospel. Prophet, which shall presume, they always assume that they have authority from heaven, could be the Pope, it could be the head of the SDA church, the JWs, the Mormons, it could be your local charismatic church. Presume to speak a word in my name, they always claim that God has sent them, Which I have not commanded him to speak. Which I have not commanded her to speak. Which I have not commanded them. It could be an entire denomination. To speak. Or that shall speak in the name of other gods. Like Allah perhaps. Like Mary the Queen of Heaven. Or some of the Hindu. And Sikh gods. Even that prophet or teacher shall die. Go back to Exodus chapter twenty. So you have ten commandments, not ten suggestions. And out of the ten commandments, nine, if you break them, would result in you being broken. If you were to break nine of the ten commandments living under the law, you would lose your life. An eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, skin for skin, so on and so forth. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 16 again. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. And yet Saul would lie about Jonathan and David being sodomites and even committing incest. The Jews would lie about Jesus being a drunk and a glutton. Adam and Eve would lie about who was to blame concerning their disobedience uh, towards God in the garden. God told them in the garden not to take the fruit of the trees, so and so forth. And when they were confronted, they both lied about it. Scholars lie about the King James Bible. Some lie about the Lord Jesus Christ's deity. And some even lie about his glorious atonement. You wouldn't think, would you, that most churches are lying to you. Not always intentionally, sometimes they've been misinformed, poorly educated, but a lie is still a lie. If you deceive somebody long enough, all sorts of problems will occur. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Scripture with scripture. There's no other way to understand the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Look at verse 16, if you will. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make a diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, and hath testified falsely against his brother, then she do unto him as he hath thought to have done unto his brother." So shout, thou put the evil away from among you. So there are different levels of lies, obviously. The worst lie I would suggest today would be to deny God's existence, would be to deny the inherency, the infallibility, the inspiration of the Bible. And on top of that, to lie about the Lord Jesus Christ's blood atonement. I can't think of anything worse than that. We might lie about one another. You might say to your wife, she looks beautiful when she does not. You might say your husband looks a very handsome man when he does not. You may commend your children. You may console uh, your grandparents, your uncles your, your or your aunts. You may do this or may, you may do that. It's all technically lying. It's all lies. But the worst lies will be about God, the Bible and of course the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. I told a story a couple of weeks ago about a priest who was counselling a couple. And this couple were trying to conceive. And after weeks and weeks months and months nothing was happening and after one of the long and tiring uh, counseling sessions the wife said to the priest may i phone you tomorrow morning at such and such a time and the priest said yes that would be fine and the wife phoned up the priest and said to him i have a proposition for you and she made the proposition very clear to the priest and in essence she wanted him to father her child of course he agreed to it but there's more to that story not only was the husband of the wife completely in the dark about this liaison, but when the child was born, it fell to the priest, the father of the child, to christen his own child. Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 16, uh, 16 if you will. These six things doth the Lord hate. Did you get that? 6, 16, 6, 6, 6, six 16, these six things, six six six. 6, 6, These six things doth the Lord hate. He hates more than just six things, but these are the main ones. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, like carry out an abortion or two, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, like old Lucifer, I'll be like the Most High God. Or churches today, they offer themselves as the final authority when it comes to which is the correct Bible translation. And when they do that, people are in submission to them, not God. Feet that swift in running to mischief. People stepping out on each other's partner, husband, wife, call it what you will. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. I got an email this week from a friend in California And he said this to me, he said, "Uh, Brother James, have you heard about brother such and such who passed away this past week? And I said, no, I hadn't heard that. And he said, yes, I believe he died a few days ago. He was a real thorn in my flesh. And I went back to this brother in California and I said, yes, he was a real thorn in my flesh as well. He put videos up against me, he put videos up against this brother in California sowing discord among the brethren. And this brother died a couple of days ago. I think from memory, what happened with him is... One of his sons committed suicide, never got over it, of course, and deteriorated uh, with the death of his son, of course. Slightly lost the plot, had a nervous breakdown or two, and on one occasion went into his local graveyard in his pyjamas, apparently, walking around with a camera. I never saw it, but some of my friends did, just rambling and ranting about nothing in particular. But he was sowing discord among the brethren, this is a typical problem. A lot of Christians like to backbite, gossip, they like to sow discord. Proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. If you lie in court in the UK, you can get up to seven years in prison. I can think of two past cabinet ministers, both of which were sent to prison for lying. There was a woman who was sent to prison last year, a member of the Labour Party, for lying. She was sentenced to 12 months. She was out within six. And absolutely incredibly, she's still still an MP. She's still drawing a salary. She may have been expelled from the Labour Party, but she's still an MP on £70,000 a year. Still paying her family to be her secretary in the UK. A member of Parliament is able to hire their entire family. It's a nice little learner, but the point is, she spoke a lie, she lied in court, she was prosecuted, spent 12 months in prison, and those two Conservative MPs, going back maybe 20 years ago, one got seven years in prison, and did four and a half years. False witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Lying in court is perjury, and like I say in the UK, you can can get up to seven years in prison. You were told to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He would also say, if ye continue, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Go to Acts chapter 5, during our outreach last weekend, after our last Lord's Day service, I was speaking to one of our brothers, and he said this to me, he said there are different definitions of stealing, going back to last Sunday's message, and of course he's absolutely right, and he said to me, if you are contracted to work say 40 hours a week, or 45 hours a week, and you knock off say 5 or 6 hours early, or you arrive late to work on a regular basis, you are stealing from your employer that's very true. I've always been of the opinion and I've always tried to arrive early for a job and leave after I was contracted to finish. If you arrive late and leave early, you set a very bad example. And believe me, people are watching you. If you are a Christian working with unsaved people, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, let's continue to look at bearing false witness, lying, stealing. These all go together. The Ten Commandments are very simple commandments when it comes to reading, examining and trying to understand what is going on and of course we all lie, the Apostle John said that if we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar being God of course and we have to uh, confess our sins obviously but the problem is a lot of Christians are in denial and it's it's long been my belief that if it hadn't been for the Old Testament giving us such graphic accounts of David's liaisons or Saul's Or Solomon's, we wouldn't have believed it. I think most Christians live very sheltered lives. They wouldn't believe what David was getting up to with his seven wives, two or three, four or five concubines, 20 children. They wouldn't believe it. They'd say it's propaganda. They'd say it's fake news. Or Solomon with his thousand wives, many children. Or Josiah, I mean, pick your priest, pick your prophet, pick your teacher. But one of the most famous or infamous accounts in Scripture when it comes to lying Stealing, bearing false witness, has got to be from Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, look at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. This was voluntary incidentally, they weren't forced, they weren't coerced into doing this, unlike what you find in socialist or communist countries. And kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. You can pretend to be very holy. You can pretend to be very pious. You can pretend to be holier than you are. Another form of lying and deception. Most Christians don't want to be honest about what they do behind closed doors. And of course, you have privacy behind closed doors. Private conversations are just that private. But when you are in public and you have a public platform, If you will, you should be honest. For example, if you don't believe the King James is the word of God, tell us. Don't pretend to believe it when you don't. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, tell us. Don't pretend you do if you don't. If you don't believe in once saved, always saved, tell us. Don't pretend you do when you don't. That's deception. That's lying. And here, Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, have some land. I guess they were a wealthy couple. But they want to keep him with the Joneses, the Smiths. They want to be holy. They want to make a good impression on the apostles. They want to cosy up to those in authority. Also, they would take it and lay it at the apostles' feet. There was a sense in the early church of uh, collectivism. We all have the same. We all share our resources. We all pool our resources. And this is where Karl Marx got all messed up. Karl Marx was a secular Jew, probably a Freemason. And when when he first read the Book of Acts as an unsaved Jew, he thought, there you are, you see, that's socialism. But of course it's not socialism. And also this only took part in the book of Acts. This is a transitional book. Be very careful when you read the book of Acts. When it comes to doctrine. I would suggest maybe 10, 15, no more than 20% of real biblical doctrine is found in the book of Acts. Go to the Pauline Epistles. You won't find this taking place in Corinth, Galatia or Ephesus. But it took part. It took place in the early church because the early church were run by the Jews. And when a Jew got saved, he had nothing, he lost everything. Like Muslims that get saved in the Middle East and they come to Christ, they lose everything. Or Sikhs, Hindus in India that get saved, they lose everything. And therefore it was imperative to sell what you had and to share. But on top of that, to entrust the apostles, to faithfully spread out the wealth. But do you trust your leader today? Do you trust your pastor or your priest or your teacher to do such today? Most priests that I can think of live very comfortably. They have their own parish, their own car, their own house. All on the church. And most of their parishioners have almost nothing. Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back parts of the price of the land. So Peter had apostolic knowledge. Over in Galatians chapter 5 from memory. On one occasion Paul says whoever, whoever it is that's going around preaching another gospel let him be cut off. It's either chapter 3 or chapter 5 and I learned a couple of things from that. I learned that first of all by the time Paul wrote the book of Galatians apostolic knowledge was drying up but by the time this takes place Acts chapter 5 apostolic knowledge is still relevant. Peter knew what was going on was able to spot it call it out whereas Paul Galatians chapter 3 or chapter 5 from memory wasn't aware who the culprit was. Because a a distance, a period of around 20 years has passed. And that's why this is called the Acts of the Apostles. This is about the apostles. The sign gifts follow the apostles. Mark chapter 16. They will go out and the signs will go with them confirming their signs, their preaching, so on and so forth. Mark 16 harmonizes with the book of Acts. We are into the Pauline epistles now. We live under the gospel of the grace of God. But here Peter is giving them a chance to come clean, like God, back in the Garden of Eden, I just spoke about that a few minutes ago, would give Adam and Eve the chance to come clean. Whilst it remained, verse 4, was it not thine own? Absolutely. And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? You had the ability to give 10%, 20%, 30%, had you wanted to, and yes, technically, we are still under the law, so technically a tithe is taking place here. The temple is still up. The early church, for the most part, were Jews. They were bearded. They were pork abstaining. They were circumcised men. They went to the synagogue on a Sabbath to worship Jehovah today. None of that. None of that has any reference to any Gentile. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Going back to wicked imaginations in your heart. Thou hast Not lied unto men, like just myself and the other apostles, but unto God. Meaning quite simply this, that the Holy Ghost, referred to as the Spirit of the Lord, verse 9, is Almighty God. And those of us which are Trinitarian, when we speak about the Trinity, sometimes we don't defend the office of the Holy Ghost enough. Look at verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost... And great fear came on all them that heard these things. He bare false witness. He lied. He stole. He breached the eighth and the ninth commandment. Was challenged by an apostle. Because an apostle back in the first century had a lot of authority. Paul told you that if you didn't love the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Let it be anathema, maranatha. The apostles could do sign gifts. The apostles would write the New Testament. Of course we have no apostles today. We have the scripture, and when and when Christians lie today, they're not cut down. But if they were to be cut down, there'd be bodies all over the place. Look at verse 6. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. Quick, put him in the ground. The body is rotting. A stench always follows the death of a corpse, the death of a person. And incidentally, I believe this guy was saved. I know a lot of Christians don't like that. And I got a comment overnight, so my latest video about backsliding Christians a friend of the ministry has slightly taken a disagreement or has slightly is slightly of a different view to me concerning the judgment seat of Christ and this friend of the ministry is basically suggesting that we don't have to give an account of our actions good or bad at the judgment seat of Christ I'm afraid we do Paul told you it's a terror of the Lord not concerning our salvation but concerning crowns loss of rewards And because a lot of Christians have lived very sheltered lives, very safe lives, never really done anything wrong since they got saved. They don't like to think that Christians could do wrong. And when they read about this couple from Acts chapter 5, they say, well, they're not saved to begin with. They couldn't possibly be saved. Christians don't lie. Christians don't steal. Christians don't conspire in their hearts to do this or to do that. And, of course, when they make such a statement, they show how foolish, how naive they are. Keep reading on. Look at verse... Seven, and it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. She had no idea her husband was six feet under, had been challenged by an apostle, lied through his teeth. Adam, where art thou? The woman that thou gavest me has beguiled me. Eve, where are you? The serpent beguiled me, lying, not taking responsibility. Adam and Eve were, were, very, were very childlike innocence until they fell But once they fell, they're like most kids, hiding away. When a kid does wrong, the kid doesn't come running to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, I did this or I did that. They run from you. And you go looking for your child and you challenge your child. And most children will lie to you. Somebody once said the first word a child says is no, not yes. What was the first thing that the devil would say? Yea, hath God said? Isn't it over in the book of Isaiah? Yea, yes, that's a positive word. Not a negative word. Yes is a positive word. Yea, hath God said. He didn't say no. He said yes. And here the wife has arrived. Not knowing what was going on. Look at verse 8. Now Peter's going to give her a chance to come clean. And Peter answered unto her. Tell me, whether ye sold the land for so much? And she said yea, for so much. So she continues this conspiracy. Lying. Not just to Peter, but the Holy Ghost. And vicariously, the early church. And they're doing this to basically appear to be more spiritual than they really are. Then Peter said unto her, verse 9, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirits of the Lord? Behold the feet of them which have buried thy husband at the door, and shall carry thee out. One final time, he allows her to come clean. And now of course we know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But this couple were past the point of no return. Ten. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Two corpses. Two Christian corpses. And I believe they were saved. Now, I know I'm in a minority when I say that, but I've always been in a minority. I believe the King James is a word of God. Most people don't. I believe in once saved, always saved. Most people don't. I believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. Most people don't. I believe in a thousand-year reign of Christ. Most people don't. I believe the spiritual gifts of the Holy Ghost have ceased. Most people don't. I believe this couple were saved, but they went back into their old way of life. They backslid. They went back, and when they were challenged, they dug in. They refused to come clean. 11. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. So people, like Abraham... People like Simon Peter, people like King Saul, lie basically due to fear of others. Abraham was fearful that his relationship with his sister would come out and he lied through his teeth. Simon Peter was fearful that he'd be connected to Christ and he lied through his teeth. He swore, he blasphemed, he cursed. And of course King Saul was fearful of his own people and he lied through his teeth for fear of his own people. And when Samuel arrived to challenge Saul. He started to backslide. Started to go into a verse. Didn't want to come clean. Didn't want to lose face in the sight of his peers. So you've got lying. You've got false witness. Or lying, bearing false witness. It's the same thing. Lying, stealing, stealing, lying. It's all the same thing. You can lie about who you are. You can lie about what you believe. It's my belief that most people have lied and are lying right now about what they really believe. During our outreach last weekend, one of the sisters was sharing a story that she read online about a nun who got pregnant by a priest. The priest raped the nun and that was hushed up, of course. If that wasn't bad enough, the nun got pregnant and that wasn't bad enough, the priest paid for the abortion and that wasn't bad enough, the priest buried the nun. The priest performed her requiem mass and perhaps the burial of their dead aborted baby most people lie through their teeth king david lied about his standing he lied about his relationship with bathsheba he would sacrifice uriah a faithful man to cover his relationship and when he was challenged yes he came clean but he remained with bathsheba didn't put her away he took his first wife back breaching deuteronomy 19 or was it deuteronomy 21 For memory he breached the old testament time after time abraham like i say would lie king saul lied ananias and Sapphira lied didn't want to come clean and the holy ghost just cut them down these are god's people and that's why the judgment seat of christ is needed in scripture it's needed for when people go wrong when people become bad of course we are all bad in and of ourselves that's why we came to the lord in the first place we came to him to be forgiven not to be made good we're not good only god is good But the judgment seat of Christ is given for those of us which fail and continue to fail and continue to backslide and continue to stay in that state right up until their death. And the more I read the Old Testament, the more I am fascinated and also convinced that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would all be thrown into hell forever. Standing in states. I wish people could get that clear. Standing and state. Not the same. Not the same. So the Jews, like I say, would lie about Jesus. They bear false witness. And of course, Jesus was a Jew, son of Israel. They bear false witness against him and breached the ninth commandment. Scholars will lie about the King James Bible. That's a big problem today. Some will lie about the Lord's deity while turning around and pretending to really believe in his deity. Many people, many religious people will lie about the atonement. They will say, well, we believe that we're saved by grace alone and then turn around and teach faith and works. Start to examine you you see they go to matthew chapter 7 are you bearing fruit can i check your fruit and of course you know matthew chapter 7 is aimed at israel as a nation is the fruit coming from the trees the branches the root of course is holy we are grafted in and they lie about what the gospel of the grace of god is really all about but the good and the great it could be abraham it could be simon peter it could be king Saul lied and of course when you lie the consequences follow if you lie to your parents you are chastised If you lie to your employer, you may lose your job. If you lie to the state, you may go to prison. Going back to three members of parliament, all lied under oath. One got seven years in prison. One got five years in prison. One got 12 months in prison. All went on to rebuild themselves. One is religious. One offers himself as a born-again Christian. The other two do not. But the consequences are always there. This couple are now the most infamous couple in Acts chapter 5. They could have gone down as a great couple like the couple that worked very closely with the apostle paul from uh, acts 19 i think it is from memory uh the names may come to me in a moment and of course paul worked with many people but uh unfortunately the couple that we we're reading about this morning are infamous are remembered for all of the all of the worst uh reasons or the worst possible reasons but the couple that are commended would be Aquila and Priscilla. Mm -hmm. A good, decent couple, did right, didn't try to cover up their transgressions, and of course you know they sinned in public, we all sin in public, don't kid yourself, Christians sin in public all the time, David sinned, Solomon sinned, I'm sure the prophets sinned, why would you be any different? But had Aquila and uh, Priscilla, had they been confronted, would probably have come clean, whereas Ananias and Sapphira did not. So two couples, both in the New Testament. One couple were good, are commended. Another couple were bad and condemned. But as far as I am concerned, both were saved nonetheless. And both will go probably to heaven via the judgment seat of Christ. Amen and amen.